For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to episode 20 of This Is Our Effing Podcast, a Red Sox show with your co-hosts, Sean McAdam and Steve Lyons. Thanks for joining us. Steve is done with his whirlwind tour for the time being and back home and we're on uh, the same page and if not the same time zone, then at least in the same country for a change. So that's nice. Steve, glad to have you back. Yeah, it's good to be back. It was... Uh... A lot of good traveling around, but uh, back uh, sleeping in my own bed, that's fun too. Globetrotting is over for now. Um, (laughs) The the Red Sox, meanwhile, uh, remain on the road as part of uh, the final few weeks here of the 2021 season with the wild card still very much up in the air. And here we are, Steve, uh, better than 145 games into the season now. And some things have not changed. Some things, in fact, have not gotten better for the Red Sox throughout the course of the season. It's a theme that we've hit on since we started the show back in the spring. And it remains an issue here with two and a half weeks remaining in the season. And that is the team defense, or too often, the lack thereof. Uh, Monday night, start of a huge series in Seattle. And... Uh, the Red Sox are in a 2-2 tie in the seventh inning. They've battled back, erased a 2-0 lead. Ryan Brazier has retired the first two hitters of the inning. And Kyle Schwarber cannot make a play on a ball on a one-hopper behind the bag. Uh, it goes into his glove, squirts out, rolls into foul territory. Next up is a single. Next up is a three-run homer by Mitch Haniger. And a game gets away from the Red Sox because of yet another error. And as I've said, um, it's an issue that Alex Cora says he knows exists. It's an issue they've tried to address. And yet here we are coming down the stretch and it remains a huge problem for the Sox. Yeah. And, you know, I've always said that you, you, it's very difficult to address team defense unless you address the personnel. And, you know, guys at the major league level, there are very few guys at the major league level that actually get better defensively uh, by working hard at it. You know, you you got to the big leagues for a reason. Um, You know, you've been playing the game for a long time. You know, one of the few guys that I really remember, and, and there are examples out there, but Wade Boggs was an example of a guy who made himself a better defensive third baseman after he got to the big leagues. And it just doesn't happen that often because there are physical limitations that you are kind of saddled with. So if you want to be become a better defensive team at second base, change your second baseman. And unfortunately, the Red Sox, some of the changes that they have made They've actually weakened themselves defensively, and Schwarber would be an example of that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, and I guess he has the potential at least to be one of those outliers that you just referred to, um, uh, speaking to Wade Boggs and the amount of work he put in to make himself a better third baseman. Not that we expect 
Kyle Schwarber to develop into a gold lover at first base anytime soon. But it is, <clears throat> to be fair to him, it is a new position that he hadn't played before arriving here. He's put time in. He's tried to get better. So, you know, maybe in another week or two, if they're able to get into the postseason, he'll be a little better than he is now because it's just a matter of repetition and gaining more comfort at that position. But there's only so much you're going to expect within the course of, you know, a month or two for someone learning to play a new position on the fly. Yeah, and I've always been one of those guys that says every game counts just as much. I always hated the guys that, you know, would you'd lose two tough games in a row in April and you'd say, hey, it's a long season, long season. No, those two games are kind of come back and bite you in October or September, late September. So it's kind of, you know, right now when this team is desperate for wins, it's tough to be making those kind of changes now and hoping that it works out. I mean, you know, you look you look at the teams you're trying to beat. The Yankees have been stinking it up, and yet they're still ahead of you in your division. You know, these are games that you need to be winning in order to put yourself in a playoff position, and it's going to be awfully difficult. You know, we point at the schedule all the time, and we continue to point at the schedule and say that it certainly favors the Red Sox down the stretch. But if, you, if you're not going to catch the ball and you can't make the plays and you give teams more outs, you know, Monday was a classic example. You have two outs. and you, you, Three more guys came to the plate. Meanwhile, we're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back to the start of another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season with a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. Bet online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online your online sports book experts. Yeah, back to the the issue of, uh, of defense and the problems the Red Sox have. Uh, we, we cited the Monday night game in Seattle as sort of the emblematic of some of the issues they've been going through. But sadly for the Red Sox, it, it is not limited to that one game. In fact, they're in the middle of this road trip playing two pretty good teams on the road, or at least two winning teams. Chicago's going to win their division handily, and Seattle is still very much in the wild card picture. This was a big six-game uh, excursion for the Red Sox here, uh, a chance maybe to test themselves against a division leader like Chicago, and when they go to Seattle, put some distance between themselves and the Mariners, maybe eliminate one of the contenders for the wild card. And yet, in the first four games of the trip, Steve, all four games were decided by one run. And in the second, third, and fourth of games of that trip, in other words, Saturday and Sunday in Chicago, and then Monday night at uh, T-Mobile Park in Seattle, the Red Sox, and this stat is borderline unbelievable. The Red Sox allowed 10, that's right, I said 10, unearned runs in the span of three games and not surprisingly lost two of them. I guess the real surprise is that they managed to win any of them. In fact, the one they did win 
they allowed five unearned runs in that. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> those are numbers that you, you expect to see over a half of a season, unearned runs, not in a few games. And, you know, to take it even further, I think seven of their last nine games have been one-run games, and they can't afford to, to have those close games right now. When you look at the overall numbers and you see the slugging percentages and all the guys in that lineup that have 20-plus home runs and, 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 you know, the extra base hits that this team has, and yet you're still playing one-run games. And the pitching has been very good, so it's a very much of a, a very strange situation when you look at uh, the overall numbers of the offense and the recent numbers of the pitching staff, and for some reason, you still end up with one-run games and a lot of one-run losses. Yeah, there's very little margin for error when you're playing other playoff contenders. Um, you're going to expect that they're going to be taught relatively low-scoring games. And in this case, there have been some games that have been anything but. There's been a 9-8 to eight game. There's been scoring games and still very much impacted um, by the, the, the poor defense that there's you're, you're sort of operating on a knife's edge at this point because you're playing good teams you're expecting these games to go down the ninth inning and if it's not your bullpen that is becoming a problem and the Red Sox have actually gotten fairly decent relief pitching despite missing a lot of guys it's often the defense that is what's determining these games. And in the Red Sox case, that's happening in a negative way. So, Steve, I, I don't know if you've heard, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. Apparently, he's going to try to he's going to try out for Paul Gasol's team. He's been taking a new product. He owes the credit to Balance 7. Balance 7 is a pH balancing alkaline supplement drink. It's like vitamins or supplements in liquid form. Just one ounce a day, three times a day, and in a week, you'll see the effects. Steve, this is all about kind of getting ready, get, getting back in shape as we get a little bit older. Lamar Odom falls into that category where recovery isn't quite as easy from one day to the next. And, you know, maybe you need a little help. But it looks like Balance 7 is something that can help out in that regard. Yeah, and I think guys are always looking seriously for some kind of an edge. Is certainly as you get older, and you you have to you have to ride that line, right? I mean, you have to be taking something that's legal to take, and so uh, you know, Balance Seven's in that category. You can see how Balance Seven has helped Lamar Odom, and right now, if you get to balance7.com and use the promo code Believe, that's B L E A V, you'll get ten dollars off their 32-ounce bottle. And that bottle is going to last you about 11 days, which is the perfect amount of time to feel the pH-balancing drink work. Again, that's balance7.com and use the code BLEAV. That's B-L-E-A-V at checkout. If it worked for him, it can work for you too. Um, the Red Sox could use some work from Chris Sale, but unfortunately for them down the stretch here where – as we've talked about, every game has a degree of magnitude. Every game is important. And the whole idea was for Chris Sale to come back in early to mid-August and be that sort of trade deadline acquisition, right? An impact starter that had been out all year but could come back and really affect the final two months. We figured you were only going to get maybe 10 or so starts for him, maybe not even that many, 
but every one is precious because he can so impact an individual game. Problem is, like so many other guys on the roster over the last couple of weeks, Dale tested positive for COVID. He's been out a week. The hope is that he's back when the Red Sox return home and have a series at Fenway against Baltimore this upcoming weekend. But even just missing the one turn that they did over the weekend in Chicago is a, is a big loss at this point. Yeah, anytime you, you have what you consider your top of the rotation starter missing starts, it's not going to be good because, you know, fair or unfair, you put a little bit more pressure on the fact that you think you're going to win those games. When you run Evaldi out there, when you run Sale out there, when you guys like that, your top of the rotation guys, you're, you know, those are the games you're definitely counting on winning. And then you, you throw everybody else out there the rest of the week and you see uh, how the chips fall. But when he's missing starts because of COVID and, and missing turns in the rotation, you know, if you're right, and he comes back against Baltimore. I mean, he certainly dominates that team every time he faces them. So, you know, that's kind of like what you talk about. You look at him getting the ch- chance to face a team like Baltimore, you're already writing it in the win call. Yeah, and, and that's not really hyperbole on our part to sort of mentally count those wins in advance because Chris Sale had made five starts for the Red Sox since coming back in August, and the Red Sox won the first four. And frankly, if the fifth one had been played at night, they would have won that one too because that was the infamous Labor Day game at Fenway where – a lost ball in the sun resulted in three or four runs scoring. There were a bunch of unearned runs in that game as well. So they would be if a routine play had been made or the sun was not the factor it was that day, if it had been an overcast day at Fenway, it would be a perfect 5-0 and in games that sales starts. Um, you know, you kind of joke about the impact one starter could have, but to, to be that close to being 5-0 and uh, when he's on the mound is evidence of just how dominant he can be and how much they miss him when he's not there. Yeah. And, you know, obviously you expect him to run out there uh, 30 to 34 times a, a season. Uh, obviously he's shown some uh, propensity towards injury. Obviously he had the, the, the Tommy John surgery and everything, but those guys generally come back a little bit stronger. I mean, he throws so awkwardly. He's not a very, you know, he's such a skinny guy. We've known that. And he had been breaking down in recent seasons. So this is a little bit different. And he, he should be the strongest pitcher you have right now because of the lack of work that he's had. Yeah, and they're helped out a little bit by the fact that they have some off days in the schedule here um, that can provide the other starters who have remained healthy and on the mound with a little bit of extra recovery time or it can allow you to maybe bump one of those guys that you don't feel quite as confident and get more starts out of maybe your big three of sale of Aldi and Rodriguez. But, you know, you can't afford to, we we talked about giving games away before because of the poor defense, they can't afford to miss out on sale starts because they are so close being guaranteed wins that's how dominant he's been and how dominant he has the ability to continue to be yeah and, and those two factors you know the, the the defense that we've talked about is a, an area that maybe pisses off Alex Cora more than anything else I mean he's a guy that that prides himself on you know it was 
a, an excellent defensive player himself. He, he patterns his team after guys, you know, playing defense and not beating themselves. And then the fact that I think you're right, he's going to have to down the stretch here over the next two weeks, probably bump some guys that you're not so sure of and, and start some of his big three on maybe four days rest or three days rest occasionally, depending on what the standings look like uh, and your, your opportunities to get into a playoff scenario. Yeah, I, I could certainly see someone like Tanner Houck, who's had some issues, as we've discussed, you know, going through that order a third time, uh, maybe not being as efficient with his pitch count early in his outing so that he's only lasting three and two-thirds, four and two-thirds. He really hasn't been able to get to the sixth inning in any of his starts this year. So if you were to bump him because, uh, for instance, next week they have – two off days in the span of four, you could use him out of the bullpen maybe a couple of times to give you, you know, one of those kind of Garrett Whitlock appearances where he goes two and a third. He doesn't have to uh, restrain himself. He can kind of open up the throttle and know that he's not expected or being counted on to give them five or six innings, but he could pitch, you know, maybe twice in the span of six days and go two, two and a third innings both times and, and be a, an important bridge from the starter to your high leverage guys at the back end. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense because he is the guy that's not going deep into games. And, and, you know, that's kind of a double-edged sword. Not only do you get, you don't get length out of your starter, but then that makes the bullpen work even harder, which makes it more difficult over the next couple of days to mix and match who you want out there because they've been overworked. So it makes a lot of sense to have him be the guy that could be that bridge guy that throws a few innings a couple times a week and you rely a little bit more heavily on the guys that you want on the mound every fourth or fifth day. Yeah. It does give them at least a little flexibility, which is what they need to be able to take advantage of the days off in the schedule. They played more games than any other team in the game. So uh, as you would expect to follow from that, they've got some off days here in the calendar in the final two plus weeks to play with and and allow them to try to get creative um, with their pitching rotation and maximize who they have and get their best guys out there the most number of times. We've got five teams separated by two and a half games with two and a half weeks to go. Uh, this is, you know, there aren't a lot of great division chases or races in the American League. The, the Rays have, have effectively uh, – wrapped up the AL East title. The White Sox really haven't been challenged since midseason. Cleveland's struggling to stay above 500 in second place. And even Houston is fairly comfortable in their lead out West. They've got a six and a half game lead over Seattle and a seven game lead over Oakland. So we know who the division winners are going to be. Tampa Bay, the White Sox, and Houston but we don't know the makeup of the wild card field. And we may not know, Steve, until that final weekend, given how close things are bunched together. So um, time to put your uh, crystal ball to use. In two and a half weeks, which teams are the two American League wild card representatives at the end of the season? Well, you know, I, you, I have always thought that both teams would come out of the East. 
Um, it's a little surprising to see what Seattle and Oakland is, are doing. Not Oakland so much, but Seattle kind of hanging in there. The rest of this series against the Red Sox will, will uh, be interesting to watch to see if they can close the gap overall. I mean, all those teams right now obviously aren't playing for a division crown. They're playing to try to figure out a way to be one of the wildcard teams. And so you have to count uh, both the teams out West in it as of right now, but they have the uphill climb. You know, uh, the Yankees have played so poorly over their last 10 games, and yet they're still ahead of the Red Sox. So um, I still think it comes out of the East. You, you see what Toronto's been doing lately. Oh, my gosh. You know, talk about scoring runs. We've always known that they've had the firepower in order to do that. It always came down to their pitching, but they're they're outscoring any mistakes that they can make. Yeah, that, I mean, that series in Baltimore was ridiculous over the weekend. I think Toronto scored – more than 40 runs in four games. And two of those four games were seven inning games as part of a doubleheader. So they get cheated out of uh, four more innings to add on to that total. There was a game where they, they did not have a hit through six innings in a seven inning doubleheader and ended up, you know, scoring, I don't know, eight or 10 runs in the top of the seventh to win that game. They came back twice in the doubleheader to win it. They had, uh, 22 runs scored in another game against the Orioles, who are the very definition of hapless. Uh, the, the good thing for the Red Sox is the Orioles represent six games on the schedule the rest of the way, three in Boston and then three in Baltimore on the final week. So uh, that has to be seen as a positive for the Red Sox. Um, I noticed in running down uh, the field, you did not uh, present me with an answer when I asked for what two teams are going to be. So I'm not going to let you off a hook a second time. It's all well and good to say they're both going to come out of the East, but that doesn't identify which two of the three. So which are they? I'm going to say because of the schedule more than anything else, I'm going to say that it's Toronto and Boston. You know, I agree with you. And yet when you watch games like Monday night and the red or, or, really, as we've talked about, the, the poor defense that the Red Sox have displayed, you wonder, um, you know, if they can even wrap up a wild card. I, I tend to think that those, as, as, as much of a problem as defense has been, those things tend to kind of come in bunches, right? You, you have a, a defensive slump as a team for a few games, and then you break out of it. So I, I agree with you. I think Toronto is playing its best baseball of the season. And I was not a believer in the Blue Jays for a long time. Everyone said, oh, don't forget about Toronto. Don't sleep on them. They're, they could they could put their charge in in the second half. And I thought to myself, you know, it's been 120 or so games. Uh, this was going back, you know, a few weeks. And they haven't made their move. What makes anyone think that they still have one in them? And yet, they certainly have. They're they're nine and one in their last ten. They're blowing teams out with their offense. The pitching is kind of settled down. I still don't love their bullpen, so they're not a perfect team. But and no wild card teams are. And I, I just wonder, as as hot as the first of all, I I think we could probably uh, dismiss the two teams on the West Coast. They've got the most ground to make up, and I also think they're the most flawed. I think all five of these teams are flawed. I think Oakland and Seattle have issues that are going to make it difficult for them to make up the ground. So I, I do agree we're going to get two teams out of the East. And 
uh, as good as the Yankees looked not long ago, winning 13 straight, they have subsequently played as poorly as they did well for a long stretch. And you wonder if they're ever going to be able to pull out of it in time. There, there seem to be so many issues there uh, from starting pitching to guys in the lineup not producing to blowing leads to the bullpen being a complete mess. They're without Britain. Chapman's been a roller coaster all year. Uh, Chad Green is giving up home runs in bunches. I think it is going to beat Toronto and Boston, but it makes me wonder, uh, and I, he- I hate to keep harping on the defense, you wonder, okay, if the Red Sox get in and they do anything about it in October, given that defense becomes even more important in the postseason, you can't give extra outs to good teams. You're not going to be facing mediocre or bad teams in October. You're going to be facing quality teams with good pitching where every mistake gets magnified. And you wonder if that doesn't become their fatal flaw in the postseason for however long that lasts for the Red Sox. Yeah, you're absolutely reading my mind. Uh, I mean, defense uh, rears up its ugly head and bites you at the worst possible times. And that's when the playoffs roll around. You know, they can they can maybe overcome the defensive flaws for the regular season and find a way to get in it. But when you're playing in a short series and now all of a sudden, you know, there's a lot more emphasis on everything you do. Uh, One mistake, you lose a game because of that. Your season's over potentially. Yeah, I mean, everything gets so magnified and it seems like, you know, you know, when things aren't going well and the old saying, the ball finds you on the field, I feel like that kind of work kind of works in, in a uh, in a big picture way in the postseason, where if you have a weakness, it will be exploited under the microscope of the postseason. Yeah. And it's not just, you know, the errors that are being made, but it's the plays that are being made. You know, you mentioned, you know, losing a ball in the sun or just not getting to a ball, you know, when your range at first base is, is uh, fairly limited, you know, just plays that aren't being made because you're not athletic enough defensively. Yeah. And, and you know, that's not likely going to change um, as you noted at the beginning of the show, uh, guys at this point are who they are. Maybe Schwarber feels 10% more comfortable on October 1st at first base than he does now. Um, but there are that, that doesn't get away from the fact that th- there are still some real question marks for this team defensively. Uh, so we, we've focused, as we often do, almost entirely on the Red Sox here. But it was an interesting weekend in New York with the Yankees and Mets meeting. Steve, and, uh, and an emotional game Saturday night that was nationally broadcast on the anniversary, the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Uh, the two New York teams who, um, back on that awful day, were, uh, you know, in the middle of, of the city that was the primary target of 9-11 and a very moving pregame ceremony and remembering the victims. And, and I thought Major League Baseball and both teams did a nice job with that. Um, And then Sunday night on the ESPN Sunday night game of the week, uh, one of the more entertaining games of the year from start to finish with not only the lead changes, but some bad blood between the teams, 
um, some issues about sign stealing and relaying signs via whistling in the dugout. It had a little bit of everything, but what it mostly had Sunday was the play of Francisco Lindor. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's always impressive when a guy is kind of has a target on his back or is the subject of some controversy and then is able to rise above and, and outplay it all. You know, it's, it's sort of like Reggie Jackson in October. You know, everyone knows that, that he's going to be the guy that people are pointing towards, and yet he still produces on a, an amazing level. You know, when Lindor already has two home runs in that ball game, and then, you know, he whistled into the dugout, and then there was the controversy, and then there's guys on the field jawing at each other. And then he has a chance to come up and win a game for his team, and he does it with a third home run of a game. To me, that's just, it's amazing. It's like, uh, it's being a hero on another level. Yeah, and and I I guess it probably answers the question that has been asked a lot in Queens this year, which is, is Francisco Lindor cut out for the big stage in New York? Uh, You know, he's a... Um, he, he has an infectious smile. He seems to enjoy playing the game, but it seemed like for much of the year, the whole New York experience overwhelmed him. Maybe he felt like he had to justify that huge contract extension he signed back before the season started and that weighed on him. But you, you take a look at what he did and under what circumstances he did it on Sunday And to me, my takeaway was, okay, this guy is starting to figure it out. Um, He's not going to, it's not going to get too big for him in New York on that big stage. And that maybe we'll look back on that series as the day where Lindor, you know, finally won over Mets fans and got himself comfortable in that market. Yeah, because it has certainly been an offseason for him and you wonder what it is and uh, anytime a, a player switches teams and goes to a New York team or comes to Boston, you know, it's a different atmosphere. There's no question about that. And just because you're a visiting player that comes into those towns uh, and, and handles whatever the, you know, that is being a visitor, it's quite different when you uh, put that uniform on as a home team guy and, and are expected to produce on a daily basis. You know, I just think he's too good a player not to make that adjustment. Um, but it has been a rocky road for him. Well, it's and down the stretch it comes for the playoff chase, and we will return next week with another episode of This Is Our Effing Podcast, a Red Sox show with your co-host Sean McAdam and Steve Lyons, presented by Bet Online. Steve, who knows what those standings will look like in a week's time, but I'm excited to see what that is, and we'll revisit it and get down to the final two weeks when we come back next week. Good to have you back. I'll look forward to it.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.